Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to Voices from the Bench. We are at episode 83. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. How's everybody doing? We have a bit of a longer episode today. I apologize, but when I was at the DS Lab Marketing Summit back in September, I got some awesome interviews. And the two that we have on today's episode are fantastic. And when I was recording them, I knew in my mind that I couldn't wait to release them. So we're going to get right into it. First up, I talk with a denturist out of Toronto, Canada named Dylan Gupna. Not only does he see patients all day, but he also runs a commercial lab that gives him a unique perspective on the doctor, denturist, and laboratory relationship. And then I had a chance to sit down with the CEO of Harvest, Sasha Der Avernessian. Sasha stayed after the event to talk to me about how he got into the industry and how he talks about selling an emotion and using human attributes instead of just selling a product. Wow. That sounds kind of sexy. Hey, now. (laughs) (laughs) A human attribute. (laughs) Sorry, Delvis. That would be the male attribute and the female (laughs) attribute, not the human attribute. (laughs) All right. Get out of the gutter, Barb. I wasn't. (laughs) It's some super interesting stuff. So let's get right to it. Sasha and Dylan. Is zirconia giving your lab a hard time on your full arch cases? Yes, for me. Have you experienced warping or breakage in your centering oven? Yes, for me again. Have you ever had an arch return for adjustment and had to scrap it and start all over? Yes. So, there's a better way. Introducing Crystal Ultra Nano Ceramic by Digital Dental. The better alternative for full arch dentistry. A Crystal Ultra arch is 60% lighter than a Zirconia arch, is easily adjusted chair side, and can be milled on a one-to-one basis with no centering required. That saves you, what, 10 to 12 hours right there? Not only is a Crystal Ultra arch better dentistry for patients, it's better for your lab as well. To learn more about the future of full arch dentistry, visit www.crystalultra.com forward slash voices. Crystal Ultra, feel the difference. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. I can't see your name tag, so I don't know your name. Dylan Gupta. Dylan Gupta. That's it. Dylan Gupta. You know, I sat with Dylan Gupta during lunch at this DS Lab Marketing Summit, and I found out you are a denturist. Exactly. From Canada. That's it. So I have to ask you, what the hell are you doing in a lab marketing summit in Charlotte, North Carolina? So I have a very unique situation. Um, I practice clinically as a denturist, um, but I also have roots invested in a commercial lab. Now, the benefit of that is my workflow is 
completely clinical essentially i don't do any of my lab work and that's the way i've structured it really i do i outsource all my lab work to my lab um is that in-house or it, uh it's its own offset location okay. offsite um now the benefit of that is i get to focus strictly on managing my patients yeah. and you know ultimately making sure they're in the best hands and getting the best care and being able to provide that care when they need it sure if i'm caught up with my lab work you know and then it's really juggling my time and right now, with the amount of patients I see, it's just easier to have, you know, my roots here and then someone else in the background doing that stuff for me. And then we kind of work together. I get that. You know, we have removable technicians at my lab, and I see how hard they work. And right. I couldn't imagine them having to see patients in between all that. Right. That's a lot. That's so a lot. going back to your question, why am I here? Yeah, why? Um, so the lab, we, are, we got the big boy equipment. We got these mills. We got the, yeah. um, the model scanner. And we want to grow. So even though you're a denturist, mm-hmm. your lab yep. is fixed in removable? We are a full-service lab. Full-service. Exactly. Do it all. Yeah. We started as a crown and bridge. We have a very good removables department. And so coming back to the initial question. Yeah, yeah. Hand, Again, um, eventually we'll get it answered. Is, um, you know, finding out different tactics to help promote, not sell our equipment and sell what we have, but give a whole package to offer dentists with support. We have a lot of huge commercial, big, big, big operation labs, you know, three, four hundred plus. In Canada. In Canada. Yeah, I think I met a few of them. Yeah, they're big. You know, it's an assembly line. You don't know who's doing what and where. Mm -hmm. Whereas with us as a boutique lab, you're talking to a human at the end of the day, and we know the progress of the case. We know if an error has happened. We can already anticipate if something's going to happen clinically at chairside, right? Sure. We have that leg up in the sense that. 24-7 24-7 support, even though it's not 24-7, right? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's yeah. kind of what it is because you can call us. I can be in North Carolina. I can get calls from the yeah. doctors I work with. You know what I mean? Uh, so why am I here? To help grow and to learn, um, you know, marketing. And to be honest, I am so impressed with today. It's been a blast. I was telling some ladies earlier, I couldn't wait to come here. It's been like a month. I've been yeah, waiting. Yeah. I, I think I'd be coming every year. But you're not a marketing guy. Mm-mm, no. Do you do the marketing for the lab? So I'll be taking on the sales role. Exactly. Uh, so you're going to be a denturist mm-hmm. and a marketing. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And so I have no sales background. I have no marketing background. But as a denturist, I sell a product to my patients. So I have that um, knowledge base there, I suppose. Um, yeah. And so I'm utilizing that, and I'm utilizing what I'm learning here in all these different lectures. And well, I'm sure every dentist and every denturist, you have to have some sort of sales. Exactly. Because you're trying to sell a treatment plan. Exactly. And while it's not like you're just selling a product, you're selling a, a quality of life. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially what every lab is doing anyway. Exactly. We're trying to sell a quality product and a quality way of life for mm-hmm. their patients. Mm-hmm. We're trying to rid the um, stigma of, you know, technicians being the dirty bench workers and, you mm-hmm. know, not not an equal playing field as a doctor. But in reality, we work hand in hand with the doctors and sometimes, you know, we can do more than they even know. Yep. Um, so with that, you know, going back to offering a whole complete package, it's really the support that I find that the doctors are, that's the best thing we can offer them. Oh, absolutely. And, and you hear that. All weekend long at this marketing summit is no one is marketing a product. Mm-hmm. They're marketing service. Mm-hmm. They're marketing ideas. Yeah. They're marketing 
help. Right. You know, no one's saying this is my product and this is how much it costs. Right. You know, that's exactly. not, it doesn't yeah. happen. And I don't even do that. And even with this podcast, I don't sell the podcast. I sell the people that are on it. Right, right, know? right. Yeah. That's, that's why I'm here. And it's been a great day so far. Um, learning a lot, meeting a lot of great people. Got to meet you. Oh, uh, my gosh. <laughs> quick shout out to Voices from the Bench. I listen to this thing all the time on my way to work. My Canadian. Com- my, exactly. I'm a Canadian. <laughs> my commute to work is about an hour each oh, way. Oh, rough. So these guys, you know, they get me through it. It's awesome. <laughs> Learned a lot about carbon. Love it. So Love it. Uh, touch briefly on what's different between Canadian labs and American labs. Is zirconia just as big up there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's the same thing. The materials is... Same. Everything's exactly. the same. Exactly, yeah. I've noticed in the States, the scale of the labs are much just, they're just bigger. Really? Compared to Canada, there's a lot more boutique labs. I'm sure that's the case here. Sure. But from listening to your guys' podcasts, I, I, there's a lot of, you know, big, huge labs you guys are interviewing. And yeah. it's, it's really cool seeing that insight. Yeah. Being a small player in the game. Um, sure. With the anticipation and intention to become a big player, right? So it's it's very nice being able to Garner all the knowledge from people that have been there, learned it, done yep. it. And, you know, we don't have to make those mistakes almost. So. No, and that's why everyone's so willing to share. Exactly. I mean, that's how you not make the same mistakes. Yeah. I mean, there's no point to it when there's so much knowledge and people willing to share it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've had two people come up to me this weekend and tell me they're interested in starting a podcast. Nice. And you know what? I'm happy that there's more coming into the market because we need to let the industry know of this new medium. Right. And I tell each one of them, I made a lot of mistakes along the way. If you ever want any help, I'm happy to share it. Exactly. Right. And I'm not, I don't have secrets mm-hmm. and nor do I even know if this is the best way to do it, <laughs> but right. you know, I'm happy to share it. And I think at lunch, I, I, I was telling you because of my unique setup, being a denturist, having roots with a, uh, a commercial lab, um, seeing pretty much almost every side of the dental world. Um, yeah. I want to start vlogging it. Yep. And that's going to be to see exactly what we're doing. I could be vlogging us right now. We you could. Know what I mean? Yeah, that all you need is a camera, it's same sweet. thing. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's so cool, the platforms to reach out to people, especially in this digital age. It's amazing. Yeah. There's not a lot of people here talking about marketing with print ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. kind of going out of the way. Exactly. It's all social media, yeah. uh, you know, vlogs and podcasts. I mean, that's just the, the way it's going. And it seems like that's what really garners people's attention. That's, yeah. That's the way to do it. Because we don't have it anymore. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, right? Sadly, we don't have the attention span that's it, yeah. that we used to. I couldn't tell you the last time I read a full article. Mm-hmm. Honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I play these podcasts in the background when I'm working. Yep. And if I hear a keyword that I'm interested in or, you know, someone, one of the, your guests have said something yep. or you guys say something. So I just cue in and I rewind that part and I listen yep. to it. And then I might have to listen to it again and again yep. to really understand what's happening. But it's amazing. It's, Do you ever listen to podcasts at one and a half speed? No. That's like a thing. Really? So people that are so into podcasts, you can speed them up. Okay. So you hear them faster. No way. Yeah, and I'm really worried that people think that's how I really talk. <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious. It's kind of this like chipmunky kind yeah, of real yeah. fast pace, but you ought to try it. It's kind of funny that's to do it. That's interesting, yeah. I'm definitely but a lot of that. people do that. That's very yeah. interesting. What do you want to gather out of this meeting here? What What's your take home? My take home is, like I said, I have no marketing background. Yeah, you no got No sales experience start somewhere. apart from me selling dentures to my patients, right? Yeah. Um, what I want to take from here is... You know, the best approaches to, to, to talk to dentists, the best ways to be able to 
approach them initially, right, and yep. then engage, how to engage yep. with them, how to keep them interested, and make sure that the routes that we're choosing and the avenues we're choosing are the best with our intentions to grow, right? Yeah. I yep. was in a lecture. My first lecture today was with Mike Dabrowski. Yep. Um, I can't quite remember the name of it, but it was yeah. uh, branding, marketing, something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I had asked him at the end, you know, I have an idea just to f- get some feedback from dentists uh, with our current accounts, send out a, like a comment thing, one for mm-hmm. the front end and then one for the, the actual owner operator, the dentist, the front end being the staff, the receptionist yep. who yep, yep. deal with us logistically. And one of the dentists queued in and he said, yeah, that's great, but I'll, you know, I'll throw it out just like yep. every, every other flyer that comes to me. And you know what he said? It's going to be really important. Provide them a tangible item. Print a crown, make a crown, mill a crown, yeah. mill a denture, print a denture, brand it with your own dental logos, whatever it is, it may yep. be, hand it to them. They're not going to throw away a tooth. They're not going to throw yep. away a denture. They're going to look at that and say, hey, wow, this is the products that these guys can produce. And that really stuck with me. Yeah. Because, you know, another sales rep is another sales rep, right? What, do, what are they trying to get out you of gotta you? you got to have a remember me exactly. item. Exactly. And I was at this marketing summit 2016. And 3D printing was just coming out, and this guy had one. And what he did is he print, 3D printed his logo and gave it to the clients. And they thought it was cool. They thought it was neat. Wow, you printed this. It's neat. They kept it around. That, that was his remembrance. Cool. That is very cool. And it yeah. showed that his lab was technical, advanced. You know, they were into the 3D printing and stuff. Right. So, I mean, any little thing you can leave helps. Exactly. So yeah. that, that's my take. I've, I've learned so much today. And yeah. You were actually talking about it in one of the past podcasts. You know, I'm going to be at DS Lab Summit. If yeah, you haven't yeah. heard, I was already coming to this, but you had mentioned, I was like, okay, great. This is going to be awesome. I get to meet Elvis. And then two, find out more information about it just through the pro- yeah. podcast, right? You heard me talk about how nervous I was going to be. <laughs> I did not pass out to let everyone know. I did not pass out. I did not throw up. And I did not urinate my pants. Yeah, so. He's doing well. He's so doing well. I made it through the first. I got another one tomorrow. Yeah, it's been... It's been great, like I said, and I'm super ecstatic that you're here doing your podcast. Do you think it's any easier with you being clinical that you have an insight into how to sell to clinical? 100%. Yeah. Definitely. And like I said, we have our toes dipped in pretty much everything dentistry right now. Yeah. With my team, you know, we have our various doctors we work with, but we also have the, some of our doctors are also partners with us. Yeah. And so we have that insight. Then we have my RDT, which is the CDT equivalent in Canada. It's okay. A registered so it's dental, R- yeah, yeah. yeah. Registered dental technician. We have all of his expertise. And then we have me as a denturist. Doctors do not like dealing with dentures. And that's, no. That's, yeah, that's yeah. me. You know, I'm the guy who specializes in that. Yep. So we have that unique niche service to offer there. And definitely working clinical has really shaped my understanding of how to approach situations, not even in dentistry, hmm. just generally. Nice. Dealing with people, right? Um, it's all about communication. Sure. Absolutely. And Absolutely. In Canada, is it the same here in the States where it's you come out of a dental school and you know nothing about removables and dentures, really? Essentially, yeah. Yeah, and then they're afraid to do it. And then they get into a practice and they do it maybe once, maybe twice a month, and they never really get good at it. So exactly. they're all kind of mm, not so great. From my understanding, they spend a week in school. Of, on, That's what I've heard. On dentures, yeah. Yeah, we work with a VA um, group a veterans hospital and they take in residencies so as soon as they get out of school they do a year at the va which is an amazing opportunity because they do some fantastic work you right, know at the right. va 
But we met the group last year. I'll never forget this. This doctor looks at me and goes, I can't wait to do my first denture. Wait a minute. You've graduated. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I never got a chance because a patient didn't show, you know, something didn't happen or whatever. It's, 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 How the heck did it, you get out of school? It makes no sense, right? It's, it's, and, and it that's blows what, my mind. It's, you guys are great at you know, Crown and Bridge. You guys yeah. are great at Ortho. You guys can do everything else. But when it comes to something that's it's removable, so funny. It's, it's dumbfounded. And right? it's going to be, I think, very soon, the biggest part of our industry. Already in my lab, I can see removable, outgrowing, fixed. Interesting. And I think that's going to continue as the population ages. Right. As insurances continue to hurt the field and, you know, restorative is not as popular as just removing, you know, it's, I think it's going to be huge. And I think denturism, we're big fans of them on the podcast. I think it's needed everywhere. I was uh, telling one of the other people that was sitting with us at lunch, uh, yeah. that you had a couple denturists on and yeah. it was cool because we got to see, uh, you know, the big scale. I think the gentleman was from the West Coast. Uh, there was Todd Young. Todd Young, I don't remember their locations. One was Rhode Todd Island Young, or something. Todd Young yeah. was Oregon, I think. Okay, yes. And he was fascinated because he owned a clinic that employed dentists mm-hmm. and other people. I mean, he was like a big deal, right? And then you had Patrick Allen, who I think is in Maine. Right. Who just him and his wife do it. Exactly. And he does all the work at 3 in the morning. you know. And it's just the two sides of it and how it all kind of... It's the same, but it's not, and it works. Exactly. You know, and it was very, very cool getting the insight uh, from the gentleman in Oregon because he's, his structure is so unique, and it's yeah. so different. And, you know, the gentleman in Maine, that's it's a very common structure that that is. So yep. it, was, it was cool also just understanding how he's dealt with it. Yeah, you, you picture, like, denturists kind of working in their little shop mm-hmm. by themselves, being shunned away. Right. And then right. you got Todd out here employing probably half the city. Yeah. You know, just yeah. killing it. Yeah. It's it's really neat. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that denturists in America aren't as prominent. Or, you know, you were saying, or so the gentleman next to us at lunch said 11 states. That's insane. What's What are the other 39 states doing? You, you know? know what they're doing? They're losing patients willing to drive. <laughs> that is what they're doing. I, I, I definitely believe that. Yeah, I, I would. That. If I had to get dentures, exactly. which let's hope I never do, but if I do, I'm totally trusting a denturist over a regular clinician. And that's the way it should be. Right? Yeah, but the public doesn't know that, and that's the problem. In the U.S., is are independent hygienists a thing? In some states. Okay. We have too many laws in between states. Right. I heard that there's actually states that have restorative hygienists Mm. that are actually allowed to seat crowns and stuff. Interesting. Yeah. And I just, when I heard about that, I was like, really? That's wild. There's too many laws in one state that's not in another. Exactly. I don't know how, you know. Even in Canada, our scope of practice is, is limited province to province. So I'm in Ontario, but if you went to the West Coast in British Columbia, to do cast partials, you have to get the approval of the dentist that the patient is seeing even if really? you're in your own denture clinic you know you have your own separate business you have to get the approval from the dentist in alberta for example the denturist can um take radiographs and interpret them so it's, it's but you can't another we can't another really? Alberta's the only one in canada where they're allowed to take radiographs interpret them and uh, diagnose findings that's crazy exactly i mean there's laws i mean they're just that's the thing right yeah if there's laws and it's it's horrible because it limits us yeah well the dentists see the same thing mm-hmm <laughs> I mean, Arizona is now the first state that will allow a licensed dentist from another state to practice there. Right, right. And that just happened. And to me, that's that's fascinating that that's even a thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. It's, it is very odd. And it would be 
very interesting to see if that would change over the next 20 to 30 years to really, like you said, the removable market is really going to outgrow the fix. It's going to be huge. They're going to need a solution for that. They're growing to. It's going to be a problem. Exactly. There's going to be a lot of hurt if it doesn't change. And you guys are lucky with Canada being next door as a kind of a a guinea pig or a template, right, to really kind of prove that it works. Exactly. How many dentists are in Canada, do you know? I know in Ontario we have over 500. Holy shmoly. And that's, that's, that's dense. Yeah. Um, now Canada's huge too, right? Well, yeah. Geographically, but Ontario has the most density. It's, the denturism started in Canada, right? Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, it started in Ontario. It Did started it really? in Toronto. Yeah. No, no kidding. Yeah. It's denturism, I've noticed, is the same. Uh, my uncle, he lives in Sydney, Australia, and he's a denturist out there. They call yeah, it dental yeah. prosthesis. Yeah. His workflow is, you know, the same as mine. And yeah, it's, it's sure. so cool. Going 21 hours across the world and going to his lab and being like, I haven't even left mine. That's cool. Because everything's the same. Everything's you the know, same. It's, you can take your skill set and go anywhere with it, which is what I like about this industry. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think every person that requires a denture should have someone specialized to do that care. I agree. Just as an orthodontist would do your ortho work, your hygienist would clean your teeth. Yeah. You know, you take your car to a mechanic for a reason. It's things like that. <laughs> There's, so it's, true. It's, you got to have that specialty trade there um, yeah. and that person to really be able to troubleshoot everything because you can't give up at the yeah. end of the day. Well, it's even the same as if someone sends in a denture case to our lab. I'm not going to have my crown and bridge guy do it. Exactly. I'm going to have someone that sets teeth all day long exactly, do it because yeah. I want to do the best. The patient should want the best too. And I 100% agree with that. That's awesome. Yeah. I appreciate you sitting down. Elvis. I'm so happy to meet you. It's awesome. Yeah. Super happy to meet Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you very much, Elvis. Thank it's you. been a blast. I'm not even going to attempt your last name. Okay. <laughs> well, it's actually, it's Dare Avanesian. Dare Avanesian. Correct. Nice. Yeah. And um, I actually was held back in kindergarten because I didn't couldn't spell it. Really? Yeah. So, but you know, it's actually, if you sound it out, it's actually pretty easy. Yeah. 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 So so I'm here with Sasha here at the 2019 DS Lab Marketing Summit. Sasha is the CEO of Harvest Dental. Correct. Everybody knows Harvest. Everybody knows about it. How did you get into this industry and how did you develop Harvest? So my father was a lab owner. I was born in the industry and uh, my dad started the lab in 1974. Was it called Harvest? No, it was actually called Premier Dental Ceramics. And I grew up in the lab. Um, It was my favorite place to be growing up. When my friends went to the park, I wanted to go to the lab with dad. And, uh, you know, I I would be with my dad, uh, you know, during those late nights grinding, trying to get that that case out. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, by 12... By year 12, I actually became addicted to the LMT magazine and I actually would, after school, when we because my mom worked at the lab, so we'd go, we'd get picked up, dropped off at the lab there and we just have to kind of fill time. And so my dad would set me up with a little waxer, yep. say, don't burn yourself, you know what I mean, here. And, and I'd start, you know, playing around. And Did you cast pennies and all that? I hear about mm, yeah. did that when they were kids. No, I didn't do that, but uh, I used to stuff the little crown and bridge boxes with foam. Oh, okay, yeah. There's an interesting story about that. Anyway, I actually used to collect the LMT, so I'd steal it from the lab and take them home. Yeah. My mom would be all upset because, you know, they're, you know, big tabloid yeah. magazines and there's no place for them and they'd be all over the place. But it's actually my prized possession. Um, I have every LMT from 1985. 
Really? Yeah. And I flip through them all the time. I'll grab, oh, it's like my favorite thing to do. So like during lunch or whatever, I'll just go and I'll just kind of pick out like one from like 1991 or I'll pick out one from 1986 and just look at the technology and the message back then. It's very, it's just, it's something I enjoy a lot. But so I always knew I wanted to be in the laboratory space. Growing up, my dad was a smile maker. That's what he told me he did. So that's, that's how I used to tell people, you know, what my dad did for a living. And so. Is that a rare way to describe that industry back then? Well, what was interesting is that people didn't really understand what a dental technician was. I think most people back then that I would talk about, you know, talk to them at that age and even their parents, they thought like the dentist did everything. Oh, sure. You know what I mean? So it's like dental technician, dental, dental laboratory, dental technician. Don't you get okay. mistaken for a dentist quite often? Yeah. I mean, I that, do. That, that's, <laughs> that's, and you know, and I'm not a technician, but I think that's the kind of level of, of awareness. Obviously it's gotten a lot better. You know, the NADL has done a ton to kind of bring awareness, mm-hmm. you know, to the industry into who we are, you know, as a, as a, as a collective group of value providers, uh, in this world. I mean, you know, the way I see it is we're, part of God's solution to the human smile. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible privilege when you play a role in instilling or reinforcing or the reacquisition of confidence in a person's life. You know, the symbol of what a smile means to the human race and being able to be a part of that. It is um, so linked to self-esteem. Totally. And to be a part of providing that huge. Yeah. And so, you know, and that was basically kind of, I would say those were the pillars of my affirmation for the industry. And so I always knew that I was going to get back there. Yeah. So I always knew that what I was going to do for a living was serve dental laboratories. Mm -hmm. I also knew that I wasn't, because I was in a lab my whole life, I had grown an empathy for the laboratory because I saw what my father went through. Yeah. And, you know, and that really influences a lot of our communication as a company. For instance, I wrote this, you know, in one of my journals, you know, I wrote this down, you know, here's to the smile makers, the ones who have chosen this blessed profession. Their devotion is long and their work tiresome. Their pedestal of fame is hidden and their underappreciation is common. Ask them and in another life, they would choose it all over again. They've chosen to be smile makers because every new smile re- refreshes the world. Yeah. And so my dream was to basically, you know, I knew that there was room in the market for an emotional brand. Mm. And so the best way that I can contextualize my vision at the time without, without an actual company founded yet was that I wanted to be the Mont Blanc of Dental Lab products. I do know what that is because someone gave me that pin when I graduated. <laughs> exactly. And that's exactly the reason why. Yeah. Because it means something. It's usually given more so as a gift. Sure. Than it is somebody actually acquiring it because they want to write their name. Right? Oh, yeah. I don't think I ever use the thing. There you go. And, but and uh, it meant a lot to me by who gave it to me. Correct. And when you look at kind of their portfolio and, you know, each each product has a reason for existence. Each product has a story wrapped around the manifestation of this instrument. Mm-hmm. And and that was really kind of the basis of what I wanted to create with Harvest. Mm. All this happened before you even had a product? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. In the sense, that's how all creativity starts. Right? Yeah. Creativity starts with a vision. 
and I kind of understood that at 18, my uncle had given me a gift. It was a book called Prosperity Secrets of the Ages. And on the inside cover, he had written this letter to me, this little note, you know, how people inscribe it. Sure. Kind of, and to this day, it's, it's, it's probably one of the most inspirational pieces that has, that has never left my side. And even in my darkest moments as an entrepreneur, because we all have them, mm -hmm. um, that has been something that I have been able to go to, to remind myself. Really? Yeah, some some of the principles that that I believe are responsible for the God-given success that I've had. And this is what it said. It said, Dear Sasha, our minds are like fertile soil, and our thoughts are the seeds we plant. An oak tree or a weed, either will grow just as easily. Be careful what you cultivate there. Wow. Right? And so... It. At the end of the day, we're gardeners. It's who we are as sure. people. And vision is the most prolific asset that we own, right? The ability to see the future and become the future, mm. to be who we want to see and see who we want to be. Yeah. And so that helped me to, you know, create what we create. And of course, every vision has to have a track um, because that track, you know, th that's, those are the tracks on which our trains of behavior run. And so I had to then define the behavior mm -hmm. of the brand um, and then ultimately, you know, develop products that follow the purpose, not the, the purpose following the product. I hear you. If that makes any sense. It does. So, how did you determine which products are going to follow? So ultimately, obviously, it's been developed over time. Mm -hmm. But we have a kind of what I would call an operating system of product development because the products are the result of, of an expression. But the products have to authentically tell the same story. Mm-hmm. And so we have to have a methodology that keeps us accountable to that story. When we develop a product, basically we go through a three-step process, vision, obviously. And the vision is never for a product per se or a category. It's actually about an attribute, hmm. a human attribute. Vision to me is about attributes, right? It's identity formation. And it starts with me as the visionary, right? It starts with the visionary. Sure. And ultimately, I can't pretend to be somebody that I'm not, right? Mm -hmm. And so what we do is we have a vision for an attribute, and then we try to find a category where we can exploit that attribute, a category that has room for us. Mm -hmm. And then what we'll do is we'll study the conventional behavior of the products in that category, and with the goal of creating a value disruption in the category. What do I mean? Um, let's take our best-selling product, Superpeg, which is a big, big seller for us. Sure. We use it ourselves. Okay. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so ultimately what, what happens there is, right, we, we have a drawer of attributes, right? And, and I'll, I'll actually start from the very, very beginning since you asked the question. 
branding is about self-awareness, mm-hmm. right? It's understanding what we ourselves are attracted to, reverse engineering those human attributes that attract us, understanding them, identifying them, and then reverse engineering them. And those become our brandable assets to the world. That's what we deploy. Why? Because if you're attracted to a human attribute, that means that's who you are. I get it. You may not even be aware of it, aware of it, yeah. or even operating in it, right? You may be attracted to generous people, but you yourself may not be generous. I get it. Yeah. Right. And so, and so there's a kind of a, a self-awareness and a questionnaireing exercise that, that goes on there. And it's very introspective. And so, and, and a lot of times I find a lot of this unearthed in my journaling. You know, I journal in the morning and I just try to understand myself, mm. right? Because the better I understand myself, the more valuable I'm going to be to somebody else. And so one of the things that a human attribute that attracts us is, is to be refreshed. I, I enjoy the feeling of refreshing. Who doesn't? Right. And so <laughs> it's right. And so yeah. that, that, so that becomes a, an attribute that I will attach to the brand that becomes my brandable attribute. And so we have a drawer of them, right? Generosity, humility are the two most attractive human attributes there are, you know, being trustworthy is an attribute. Being empathetic is an attribute, but right. All of the things that attract us to people, if you're attracted to those things, you have to understand them. So, you know, it really starts with understanding why you're attracted to people and to things. The moment you grab that attribute, now what we have to do is we have to execute it somehow, right? Mm-hmm. We have to take the vision, which is we want to be refreshing. Sure. And we have to find the category where we can exploit that attribute and manifest it. So when we look for product categories, right, what we're looking for is mountains and molehills. Okay. Categories that are established by a strong market leader. They have strong market leadership. In other words, there's a company that has staked claim to that category. They're standing on the top of the mountain. They've got their flag, mm-hmm. right? Waving strong and proud. Those are the categories that we stay away from mm-hmm. because we know that we, there, there's no space for us there, right? Which is why harvest will never get into zirconia because zirconia is not a category we feel we can disrupt. Yeah. We get asked about it all the time. Really? Because, well, yeah, because, you know, we're a market leader in provisional um, and digital denture, you know, space with regards mm-hmm. to pucks. And so, right, it's only natural that, you know, we get asked the question, well, where's your zirconia? Mm. And the truth of the matter is, is that building a brand is more about no's than it is about yeses. You have to be incredibly focused. You know, we have a brand on the on the West Coast called In-N-Out. And um, sure. I don't know if you're familiar with yep. In-N-Out, but... Yep. There's a reason why in and out is in and out and focus has a lot to do with it, right? They're exclusive to what they do well. Yeah. So we try to do that as well, but you know, going back. And so when we're looking for a product category, we're looking for molehills. We're looking for categories that are neglected. We're looking for categories where there's no clear leader. We're looking, we're looking for categories where the products are good. They do exactly what they're supposed to do. Mm. And because of that, there's no value recognition. Get it. Right. Because the product does exactly what it's supposed to do. And so we, we identified peg putty in that category as being ripe for a value disruption mm-hmm. and, uh, and an emotional interruption. And so how do we do that? Now we apply the convention principle where, you know, this is really a questionnaire process and it's identifying 
you know, the, the behaviors of the competitors that are the same. Right. Mm -hmm. And so once we can do that, we can uncover where the market is stuck in that category. And what we found with peg putties is that every single peg putty would have to be sandblasted out. Oh yeah, yeah. The convention is, is that it was accepted. Nobody ever asked the question, why does it have to be? Yeah. Why can't it be this? And so if we can create a product that eliminates sandblasting forever, we're going to win. And so that's where we start. Interesting. And so we have a clear vision of where we want to go. It's based on the attribute. We want to be refreshing, right? We find, we find the catalyst for differentiation, which is that all peg putties have to be sandblasted out. It's identifying the convention. And then the disruption is creating a product that eliminates sandblasting forever. But how then do we actually refresh, right? Because refreshing only occurs when somebody is in a current state of being that is the opposite of refreshing, Mm. right? You can't re if you're not, yeah. Correct. If you're thirsty, you have to be thirsty to be refreshed by a sip of water. It's the same principle. And so what we had to do, and this is where, you know, communicating your why is so important. And our, our marketing strategy has nothing to do with the products that we sell. It has everything to do with the purpose of, of our existence, why we exist, and what our philosophy is and how we think. And so what we do is we advertise the category. And the bet that we make is that those who connect with, with who we are will make the bet that who we say we are will be represented in the product. And so let's say if they're looking at a catalog, right, and a catalog has 10 peg putties on there. They're going to see the green leaf and they're going to say, well, we have to buy a peg putty anyway. The peg putty is the same price as everybody else's. Let's go with harvest. Mm-hmm. So here's the catch. And this is really the secret sauce. What we do is we actually withhold the product's greatest attribute from the market. We don't talk about it. We don't advertise it. We don't advertise it because we have to create the catalyst for refreshing if we're going to manifest the attribute because the attribute has to be manifested. Get it. Right? So what we do then is the customer makes the bet and buys the product. The product does exactly what it's supposed to do and is really no better than the other products on the market. Mm -hmm. They all hold crowns well. They all work well. But when the ceramist realizes that he never has to sandblast another crown for the rest of his life, what we've done is we've accomplished our objective, which is to meet the customer at the intersection of clarity and surprise. Clarity meaning they know something new about us. We've revealed a part of our character that was unknown to them, Mm. that we are refreshing and surprise because we exceeded their expectations. And there's a big difference if I tell my wife, hey, sweetie, by the way, I wash the dishes for you mm. versus her finding out when she goes downstairs and I'm off to work that I wash the dishes for her, especially when I don't wash the, the dishes all that often. Yeah, <laughs> I hear you. I know exactly what you're saying. <laughs> right? It's amazing that you're able to almost have 
the customer, discover it on their own, and to get that sense of, <gasps> that's the key. Oh my gosh. Yes, exactly. Is that... this thing really not going to make me have to sandblast again? If they discover it themselves, will have more shareable power than if they read it. Correct. Because I'm that person's going to go online, and they're going to turn to the next person, and they're going to spread it. I love this. This is this is interesting because at a marketing summit, you expect to learn how do you put together a pamphlet, how do you sell your product, and there's one thing I learned here from all the talks I was able to go to. And unfortunately we were talking at the exact same time every yes. time, Yeah, I know. but nobody was in here selling product, branding, education. I mean, everything, but right. And this is, this is good. I like this. And you do this with every product harvest. Yeah, we have to, because, and that's why, you know, we have a pretty focused line. Um, like I said, you know, branding is about saying no more than it is about saying yes, yeah. because you have to create a narrow lane. Um, ultimately we exist as people to be valuable. Sure. Right. That's the key. And value is internalized. Quality is internalized mm -hmm. as a feeling, right? Example, let's say you're using super peg and you love it, but ABC dental lab down the road, they use super peg and they hate it. How do I quantify quality? In the middle. Mm -hmm. Am I a quality product or am I not? Does that make sense? Everyone's going to have a different view Everybody's going to have a different view of it. Sure. And, so, and so quality is ultimately defined by the person who is using the, the product. I can't say with integrity that harvest products are the best. I get it. I can't. Just down at lunch, me and some technicians had a... Not a debate, but a discussion of three shape versus dental wings versus Serona in lab. We all had our opinions. Right. You know what? They all do the same thing. Right. Right. And yeah. most products do. Yeah. And so, you know, quality for us is a feeling. And so the quality of the product was not that you don't have to sandblast the crown. The quality of the product was the tickle that they don't have to sandblast the crown. Yeah. The emotion, the emotion. Of them learning they never have to sandblast the crown. Correct. You don't stand at trade shows and announce you don't have to sandblast ever again. No, we don't. And you know, and the the product obviously it's reached, you know, market leadership status. Sure. It's, it's a global around. yeah. And it's, it's a global around. product now. And so now we, we you know, we can and we do sometimes. But at the end of the day, when we initially and this is just recently, I think, but you know, looking back if somebody asks me, well, what's different? I mean, I'm going to tell them. I'm not going to say, well, buy the product and find out yeah, for yourself. Yeah, you know what I mean? So leap for a lot of people. What I'm really referring to is our marketing communication. So that would be an example of how we would kind of develop a product around a brand attribute. That's great. The other thing that's very, very important is territory branding. In other words, taking the customer to an experience where your vision is, right? So if our vision is experiential, because attributes are experiential. We experience them. You know, we want to put the customer into the territory of, of, of refreshing. And a perfect example of this would be, you know, Corona. Mm -hmm. Corona does an incredible job with regards to territory branding, right? They take you to a beach. Oh, I see where you're going. Yeah. 
right? And so when you go to the beach, when I go to the beach, I order a Corona. It's no different than a Budweiser, mm-hmm. right? But there's something about the territory that they've communicated that I connect with. Sure. And I experience their contextual communication when I have a Corona at the beach. I can't explain why. Yeah. It's just the truth. They framed it for me and I bought it. Yep. They set it up. Right. But it also gives you that sense of the beach when you're drinking a Corona. Correct. At home. Relaxing. Or, all those attributes that are attached. Or just at a, or at a restaurant for in sure. your hometown with no beach near. That's right. It still has that. It's the beach feeling, feeling. And that's yeah. the, that's exactly right. And that's what you're selling. Uh, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, no wonder they invited you here to speak. Uh, well, first off, I just, uh, you know, I love the podcast. Thank and, you. Uh, I'm honored that you know you had asked me to to, to come on. Um, I think you and Barbara do an incredible job of connecting to the audience. Um, I think both of you, within your own unique personality sets, really are a it's a great vibe, and you have your own feeling that you exude to mm-hmm. the marketplace. And so, and and I know a lot of my friends listen to the podcast. And I think that it's really growing and really um, for you to do this is a ton of work. I mean, I look at what you've had to do even here. I mean, you're speaking two lectures, you're, and you're just like a, I mean, you're just squeezing the, you know, the resources at this show people and you're squeezing the value out of as many of these people as you can. I try. Yeah. And, and and that's hard because I know you're like wearing, you know, you got your headphones on, you're walking in your lecture and, you know, it's like, yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And so I want to commend you for that. Thank you. And I think that the industry needs a voice. It needs a voice. And and I believe that, that, that you are, you are meeting that need at the moment. I, you know, I always appreciate the compliments, but even I tell everybody, Barb and I are just here asking questions. Yeah. It is the industry itself that yourself included now that will come on and just share whatever they know openly with anybody. Mm. It connects us better. It makes us more powerful as an industry. It makes us more relevant in the industry, the stronger we are together. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And to be invited to events like this, to be able to meet people face-to-face. I love this face-to-face because mm-hmm. when you do it remotely, eh, it's not as great. You know, you don't get that really right, nice like the human touch. Exactly. And even if we just sit down for 20, 30 minutes, right. what you've just explained was so powerful. It means a lot. It's amazing. It's oh, amazing. I and I thank you as a lab for not coming out with another zirconia. I don't need more options. The market is flooded. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. that. No, yeah. And, and I well, thank you. You know, it's, uh, <laughs> it's uh, I, I think I, and again, right, when you look at branding, Right. It really, again, is it's about reverse engineering how you feel. And so for me, I agree. That's why I don't do it. Yeah. Because there are things in my life that I just don't need another one of. No. I don't need more complexity and confusion. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And one of the, the pillars of branding is about understanding that you are unique. That you, you were born with a thumbprint. Mm-hmm. And that thumbprint is God's promise to you that you are exclusive. That you have no competitor. That 
you are unique in all of creation, past, present, and future. And, and with that, there's a responsibility. And that's to be valuable in a way that can only be delivered by you. Mm. And so that's very, very important. And so if we exist to be valuable, right, we, we already, and that's really what branding is, right, is being more valuable than what you do. That's all you're doing. You're just being more valuable than what you do as, as let's say, making teeth. You have to be more valuable. And so you know, what's interesting is, you know, in lab circles and especially a lot of the conversations I, I find myself in, there's a lot of talk about loyalty mm. these days and more specifically the lack of loyalty. You know, as dental labs, right, you're working hard to keep the dentist happy. Mm-hmm. It's work, right? I was talking to a guy where the doctor, you know, he's constantly calling him, hey, I need you to come here and, you know, uh, check this, check that, right? And here's a guy who's trying to run a business, yeah, right? And and the dentist isn't willing to offer to pay for that, mm-hmm. right? Yet we have to, you know, we have to pay a delivery fee to get pizza, yeah, right? Um, and so labs are working hard they're trying to produce a good, they're producing a good crown at a good price mm-hmm. with good service while they're trying not to take it too hard on the chin. Sure, sure. And then the next thing you know, the wind blows and the dentist is gone. Yeah. They get a pamphlet. They get a mailer. Yeah. Whatever. Oh, yeah. And, and they're gone. Yep. And fear sets in. And all of a sudden, even worse, hope leaves. And now you've got a guy who he, he's he, he's struggling with what to do. He's confused. He doesn't have an answer. And what's interesting is customer retention statistics tell us that 75% of the customers that we lose would actually deem themselves satisfied with our quality, our price, and our service. Now, if that's the case, why did they leave? Why did they leave? <laughs> you see, they were with us because we were good enough, but they left us because we weren't sticky enough. And what does that tell us? That tells us that good enough isn't good enough. Mm. Good enough is actually the lowest common denominator in a value trade, right? Sure. They're giving you money. You better just give them what they paid for. That's good enough, right? Yeah. Crowns aren't sticky. That's the lesson. Human emotions are. Mm-hmm. I get it. And for laboratories, my encouragement would be your job is not to produce a good crown at a good price with good service. Your objective is to be missed. Mm. And so at the end of the day, The question has to be, if my laboratory was gone today, what would I want my doctors to miss about me tomorrow? That makes a lot of sense. I mean, if you close your doors today and they move to the next lab, you want them to miss you. You want them to have that sense of they've lost something. Correct. So you just got to make sure you provide it. Yeah. And it becomes, you, you put yourself in a position to where... You are in a relationship that the doctor can't afford to lose. Mm-hmm. I hear exactly what you're saying. 
I mean, it makes a lot of sense. And I appreciate you coming on to talk about it. No, it's my pleasure, Elvis. Thank you so much yeah. for uh, yeah the opportunity and keep going, man. It's it's a wonderful podcast. It's incredibly valuable, and you got me on the hook, man. I'll be want, I'll be listening. I want to bring you back on. I think you got a lot more to share, and I think if we can provide you with a longer platform, I'd love to. We can do this. I'd love to. Cool. I appreciate it, Sasha. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you, Elvis. All right. All right. Talk about multi-layer zirconia. It is truly a game changer. The use of layered zirconia is growing quickly because labs are starting to realize its advantages. Pick the disc with the desired shade, position it in your CAM software so that there's just the right amount of color in the cervical area or the ideal amount of incisal value. Mill it out and you almost have a finished restoration. After centering, a nice polished or glazed surface takes it to a satisfying completion. Whipmix realizes that labs are individual and that no one size fits all. So the company's Veracore line of zirconia milling materials includes natural, unshaded discs that allow the artist in you to emerge, which we love, pre-shaded discs that deliver an accurate base shade representation, and the Veracore ZR Pro ML. The multi-layer version of the popular Pro line of Zirconia is pre-shaded in the popular Vita shades, and it's in, available in three thicknesses to enable the user to position the disc so that it captures just the right amount of color distribution in its layers. If natural aesthetics combined with quick production appeals to you, call Whitmix at 1-800-626-5651 or visit its website at www.whitmix.com. And once again, thank you, Whitmix, for sponsoring Voices from the Bench. So we can't thank enough Dylan and Sasha for taking the time out of the summit to sit down with my partner, Elvis. We're really glad you did and look forward to talking to both of you in the future. I think that was a great interview. Well done, partner. Thanks again, Densply Serona, for allowing Elvis to record at the summit. Hopefully next year we'll be there and we'll be there together. Hope to see even more people next year. Awesome. Don't forget that there's only about two weeks left to get a shirt that lets the world know that dental technicians have better technique. I have something to say about that, okay. but I'm not. Oh. <laughs> Keep going. Head over to this episode show notes or voicesfromthebench.com to order yours before November 6th. And remember... As always, all profits go towards the foundation of dental laboratory technology. Yay! In less than two weeks, November 7th, 8th, and 9th, Elvis and I will be at the Eastern Conference of Dental Laboratories yearly meeting. Not only will my partner Elvis be speaking to the members during the lunch about marketing and the podcast, but we will both be sitting down to record so come by, speakers, vendors, attendees, sit down, chat with us. And just remember when I'm there, I'm going to come grab you. So make sure you don't make eye contact. And even if you don't, I'll come grab you anyways. But we would love to chat. Just come by. Yeah, definitely. If you're anywhere on that side of the country, November 7th, 8th, and 9th, make sure you sign up for this great event. They have some wonderful speakers. Check them out. Link to the events website on this episode's show notes. And as always, a big thanks to this week's sponsors, Digital Dental and Whitmix. We thank you for the support. And speaking of Whitmix, next week starts the many interviews that I got 
while at the Whitmix Digital Forum. Be sure to come back next week and check it out. All right, everybody. That's all we got. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. I do not have better technique.